Hey, Henry, what's holding you up? Let's get on with the show. We can't hang around here all day. Howdy, folks. Welcome to the one and only original country band jamboree. Mama, don't whoop little Buford. Mama, don't pound on his head. Mama, don't whoop little Buford. I think you should shoot him instead. There was blood on the sand. Give me a little intro there, Gomer. W-W Radio, your information station. Hello, my friend, and welcome to the WW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangiello, and this is show number 573, and I'm here once again only to help you have the best vacation experience when you go to the parks, but I also want to bring you a little bit of Disney magic wherever you are with the podcast, live videos on Facebook every Wednesday night, books, audio tours, special events, and more. Whether it's your first time visiting the parks where you've been hundreds of times, if you're planning a vacation or just love the history, details, secrets, and stories, there's something in the show for you because each week I'm going to take you from the parks to the screens and everything in between. And if you're a new listener, thank you. Welcome. Please go back and check out some of the past episodes for interviews, top tens, reviews, and more. You can subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or your favorite podcast player and find everything else at www.radio.com. So I'm going to open up the inbox again this week to help you plan your next trip, look back on Disney history, and let you do a little dreaming and designing of your own. Because we're going to answer questions about everything from Run Disney Marathon Recommended Hotels, Mexico Pavilion Changes, Walt Disney World Scavenger Hunts and how you can get them, Favorite Snacks in the Parks, The Case of the Missing Mickey and Leopold, Statue in Disney's Contemporary Resort, New Year's Eve in Disney, Tower of Terror Props, Attractions that May Just Become Extinct Soon, Birthday Dinners, and a question that lets you put on your creative Imagineering hat. I'll then have the answer to our last Walt Disney World trivia question of the week, and I'll pose a new challenge for your chance to win a Disney prize package. Then stay tuned to the end of the show. I'll have more information about upcoming WW Radio events, meets of the month during Marathon Weekend, your voicemails, and more. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WW Radio Show. You may have heard me say in the past, as I have said since the very beginning, that this show is for you and with you and sometimes by you. And I wish you were here with me right now, actually in Walt Disney World. I'm sitting in the lower level lobby of the beautiful, spectacular Grand Destino Tower at Disney's Coronado Springs Resort. And when I'm here, um, I always try and bring the best of the wonderful world of Disney and Marvel and Star Wars to you and try and help you by answering your questions. And to help me do that is somebody who's not just a longtime sponsor, but a longtime friend. 
travel buddy, and maker of magic. She is Becky Mankin from MEI and Mouse Fan Travel. You know what? I'm so proud of you right now for actually saying magic maker. That's very cool. But I'm more proud of you that we're next to the bar. You just made me so happy. Mind you, it's 1014 in the morning <laughs> while we're recording. Just to, to be clear. Mimosas all around. No, I'm having no. hot green tea, but that's fine. You <laughs> listen. This is a ju- relatively judgment-free zone. Um, we had so much fun last time uh, doing emails and answering emails this way, and I know how much you love it. I, I know that you love when I don't give you the opportunity, nor do I, go through the emails first. Instead, we just open up the inbox. We randomly select them live as well and then we go right along and so I, I think we should just get right into what i am now going to call the mystery mailbag you know what i should start doing though i should start i should get access to the mystery mailbag just to maybe i could randomly select them next time. top 10 things that will never happen <laughs> you getting access to my inbox and who knows there may be a surprise for you at the end oh there's always a surprise for me at the end <laughs> uh, i did happen as i as i opened up the um the inbox this morning, there was one word as I was sort of qu- quickly scrolling through Food. that caught my eye, Food. possibly, uh-huh. uh, because I think it's very timely for when we're answering this. Lou, not Becky, what are the hotels you would recommend staying at if you're running the Walt Disney World Marathon? I'm wondering specifically about the ease of getting to the race in the morning. And that comes from Erin. It is the most wonderful time of the year, that first and second week of January uh, during the Walt Disney World Marathon weekend. And this this is a common question, especially for new runners, because I think there's a lot of factors to consider in terms of is it ease of getting to Epcot in the starting line in the morning? For some people, it's the ease of sort of gingerly walking back to your resort uh, later on in the day after you spend some time in the parks. Um, I think we probably are, are pretty much in alignment. But in terms of ease of getting to the race in the morning, I think Disney does a lot to make it as easy as possible with ongoing bus service from all of the Walt Disney World resorts. But would there be any that you would recommend people stay at in order to get to the race early? Well, like you said, most of the um, resorts have bus service, so you're going to be on a bus getting to the the, the front line for the for the starting um, the corrals. There we go. I was trying to trying to reach for that word. That thought of getting up at two o'clock in the morning when you say marathon race just kind of scares me. Um, but the the traffic does kind of back up. You still have to um, to wind your way through the closed streets. So a lot of people do tend to go to the Epcot area. Staying at Boardwalk Inn or uh, Swan and Dolphin even or um, Yacht and Beach tend to be the places that that people uh, find most convenient for uh, going to Marathon. But in reality, anywhere is going to get – you can't just walk from Beach Club over to the starting. You have to take a bus. So anywhere that you stay in the area is um, is going to be by a bus. So even – as we're sitting here in uh, the Grand Destino in Coronado Springs for a moderate is still pretty close when you're in terms of getting to the starting place. So I, I think that those might be my, my top recommendations. Yeah, that's exactly, like I said, in alignment with, with what I was thinking in terms of being close. And, and even in terms of later on in the day, a lot of times people love to uh, go back to the parks after they've had time to rest and shower, wear their medals and, uh, and, and enjoy some time. And sometimes if going to... Epcot, Watering World Showcase, and then being able to easily get back to Boardwalk, Yacht, or Beach Club, uh, or even over at the Swan and Dolphin, too, 
um, are all great options. And obviously, if you are a runner and you have a different um, uh, preference or selection, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Go to the Box People group on Facebook and share your recommendations for where to stay. And oh, by the way, if you are planning on going to Walter's World Marathon Weekend or any of the marathon weekends and want to book your room at a Walter's World Resort, I mean, I'm asking travel. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> however, but one thing too that, that we keep watching with these with the races is the courses keep changing too. So as we're saying this today, who knows with all the construction coming at Epcot, what might be happening in the next year or so with other races? So that opinion might actually change. Yeah, you never know uh, what the future may hold. Um, and speaking of the future, look, this is actually a perfect segue. Uh, John Thompson says in the Epcot Experience promo video, <clears throat> excuse me, there's a guitar. Leaning up against the model of the Mexico Pavilion. Does this mean that the rumors of the Grand Fiesta Tour starring the three caballeros being reimagined as Coco are true? I know nothing was announced at D23. John Thompson. John Thompson, I too know nothing. I want to be clear, and I don't normally, you know, like to talk about rumors other than just sort of in a little armchair imagineering, sort of having fun with this, this was something that has been rumored uh, as soon as Coco came out um, in, in 2017. It just sort of this idea of recreating because there is a little bit of the Day of the Dead already in the Grand Fiesta Tour uh, starting the three Caballeros. But the idea of overlaying it with um, um, Coco and some of the characters and some of the visuals seems like a very intriguing idea. Now, again, the, the three Caballero attraction uh, has been open for a number of years, but as we're seeing this continuing transformation of Epcot and the introduction of a lot more IP, obviously with things like Frozen, Ratatouille, Mary Poppins, um, does this one sort of make sense? And I think a lot of people would say yes, especially for a younger generation, because we see that's what's happening, right? For for very, well, you're you're probably too young to remember this, but when Epcot first opened, it did have a little bit of a reputation of being um, a little dry, uh, a lot of education-based and not necessarily for kids, that has very much started to um, shift in a, in a way that I think makes sense and still satisfies both the young guest as well as the Epcot nostalgic. Yeah, I agree. I think that the um, that trend towards attraction to the younger families is definitely going to, to be moving forward. Um, Epcot has always, to your point, been kind of the place that adults go, that kids get bored at. Uh, with the addition of the new attractions that are coming and that IP, it definitely is uh, much more of an appeal to the younger families. Absolutely. And, and I would love to hear your thoughts as to <laughs> would you like to see Coco be introduced into the Mexico Pavilion? Do you prefer the three caballeros? Maybe you don't like the IP at all. Again, the best place for the conversation is over at the Box People group at www.radio.com slash community. Amanda Barthel Swanson says, I'm wondering if you know anywhere I can download, get, purchase, beg, borrow, steal, a scavenger hunt, I added the last three, to complete on our oncoming trip. My family and I are going to Walt Disney World and are looking for something new to do as we are frequent visitors to the parks. I was listening to the Japan Part 1 show and at the end, I thought I heard you mention a scavenger hunt. Thank you for the ABD Japan recap. I love Tokyo, Japan, Tokyo Disney Resort. Amanda, Amanda, funny you should ask, uh, because actually I create uh, and distribute 
a brand spanking new, never-before-seen scavenger hunt every single month as part of the WW Radio Nation. If you go to www.radio.com slash support, you've heard me talk about it. I don't want to sort of plug, but it's a way for you to not only help support the show, but it's a way for me to give back to you and give you um, access and um, there's some things we do exclusively for the nation. And one of them is that I create monthly scavenger hunts. I've done, I think, about 40 of them so far. So do you go out and do those yourself? Do you, do you like I do. I go, I go out. I will go out. It, usually it'll take me a day to write a scavenger hunt. Wow. Like I'll go out for hours, take pictures, go back, and then I'll start writing questions, and then I'll sort of walk it again, and then I go home, and then I write it out and, and prepare all the stuff. Okay. Now I'm kind of impressed. So when you say, I'm never in the parks, now I can call your bluff. Well, because not everything's <laughs> in the parks. I do a lot in – I've done resorts. I've done Disney Springs. I've done Disney Cruise Line. Oh, yeah. I've seen them. I just haven't done you them. You haven't actually done, and you've never actually read any of the... I haven't done them yet. Okay, that might be something that we have to incorporate in a event. Well, the idea is it's meant to be, it's, it's a way to add an additional layer onto your trip and maybe, in the spirit of Epcot, maybe even learn something along the way, uh, because sometimes <clears throat> I will uh, try and take you to places or introduce you to things that you might not have seen before, maybe connect the dots in terms of some of the storytelling. So if you, get, if you go to www.radio.com slash support, you can find out how to be part of the nation and get your handy-dandy brand spanking new scavenger hunt delivered to your inbox each and every month. Yeah, but if you also kind of look at some of the options in the nation, here, I'll, I'll plug you for a moment because... I'm a part of the nation. I don't know why, but I'm a part of the nation, and I get these. So mean to me. I know. Well, I got to get you back a little bit. I get these fantastic boxes at a, at a certain level of um, a participation. I love getting those boxes. I get this little box, and, and my husband will go, "Oh, Jesus, from Lou again." And I open it up, and there's always little treasures in there that are so amazing and fun and worth. The extra money that I have to pay you to participate. Aw, thank you. And those are a lot. And while those are a lot of fun to put together, it's sometimes very challenging too. That's that's my scavenger hunt is trying to figure out the theme and sometimes the items to put in um, because I want it to be you know a surprise. And there are things that you can. Yeah, there's uh, sometimes that I wonder if you've picked especially for me. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. Very cool. Um, the next email says, "Hey Lou and Becky." Uh, forgive me if I mispronounce your name. It's Vahi, V-A-H-E, Vay, Vahi. We'll call you V from Staten Island. My wife and I are huge Disney fans. We love your show, especially the listener email episodes. Yes. What? <laughs> oh, wait. So hold on. Get ready. Because this is our question. We want to up our snack game in the parks. Oh, so we want to know what's your favorite. Oh, wait. I was not prepared for this question. <laughs> What is your one favorite snack in each of the parks? Oh, no. oh in Florida and California, they don't oh. get, they don't need to fit the snack label for Disney Dining Plan because we never get it. We're going to Disney World in March 2020. Can't wait. And that's from Vahi Shanazarian. So one favorite. That's so. That's, that's really tough. So maybe this is this is one that requires a little bit more thought and research, but. Just sort of close your eyes and imagine. If you popped into Magic Kingdom right this very second and you've got five minutes, it's like um, 
what was that show that they used to sort of put you in the grocery store and like you'd run, run. right? And you could, but you could only grab one snack. Where would you go first? It's like for me, that's the, and I know it's such a lame snack because it's always going to be popcorn on Main Street. Really? It's the sentiment. It is really. Yeah. Seriously. It tastes better on Main Street. I don't know why. It always does. No, if, if you were talking Tokyo Disney Sea, I could see you running to a popcorn To all cart. the popcorn stuff. Yeah. I would or, go to all the popcorn. Or a churro cart where you make you guilt me for three days for not standing in line for you to get the churro. So this is the other difficult part about this question, too, is Walt Disney World, and thanks to the, the folks over at the, the Flavor Labs um, in Disney, the, the chefs there are always getting so creative. There's always new snacks being introduced all the time. Just when I think I have a favorite, I'll see something on the Disney Parks blog showing that there's a brand new snack. So, for example, I happen to be uh, out in Galaxy's Edge waiting for my boarding group for Rise of Resistance. Went over to Toy Story Land, went to Woody's Lunchbox, and they had a special holiday little fruit tart thing. I want to call it a pot tart, but it's technically not a pot tart. And it was apple cinnamon. And it was like they sort of blended up a little apple pie and made it into a Pop-Tart. Wow. It was delicious. So right now, that's the first thing that, that comes to mind. Um, and sometimes for me, my snacks aren't necessarily sweet snacks. They're savory kind of snacks, too. Um, Animal Kingdom, I think they still, I haven't been in so long, like they have a jalapeno cream cheese pretzel that I like. For Epcot, it would be everything in the Japan Pavilion which is an easy answer. Uh, like, so for me, getting something at um, Katsura Grill would be my snack because what you call a meal, I call a snack because I have, you know, <laughs> I have second breakfast, third lunches, first dinners throughout the day. So I have a serious question for you. A serious face. <laughs> would the frozen hot chocolate martini count as a snack? That doesn't, this, none of this comes as a surprise to me. <laughs> None of this comes as a surprise. That's what so I think, good. there's a better way to answer this question because maybe we have to just not give our answer, but maybe sort of take a collective answer, right? It's We're like the Borg. We're a collective and uh, nerd alert, sorry. Maybe what we'll do is we'll post this question in the WW Radio Box People group on Facebook, again at www.radio.com slash community, and sort of take a poll from people what their favorite snack is yeah. at each of the park, and then I'll give you a little bit of time to think and ask Jeeves what, are, what Jeeves. is this? No, my problem is like like you were saying, they've gotten brilliant at the creation of snacks uh, for each season or each event that's going on. That You get sucked into it and all of a sudden there's something there and then it's only there for the season and it's gone three weeks later and here's another whole list of snacks that you have to go and, and taste and try and take pictures of and post on Instagram. I think that's the, the big driver. Who knew that Instagram would be the driver of food products in, in theme parks? It's also it's also dependent on a number of factors. Like sometimes you're just in the mood for something super sweet and maybe mm -hmm. something, you know, for me, I'd rather have something salty. For you, you'd rather have something that is a fermented alcoholic beverage so again it depends on the person but we'll post that um, we'll post that question so, Bahi, in the uh, in like the box people group you you really are attached to popcorn right that, that's, that is the thing that you would gravitate towards as your number one in magic kingdom okay. i probably would until somebody says oh but did you see this um it is it and and it might be there's a little bit of an emotional attachment to popcorn on Main Street. That's so, um, all right. So the next question comes from, we're going fast and, not fast and furious, but you know what I mean. Um, 
Next question comes from Diane Jones, who says, Hey, Lou, my husband and I were in Walt Disney World a couple of weeks ago. We had a one-night stay at the BLT. Ooh, bacon, lettuce, and tomato. No, sorry. I think that means Bay Lake Tower. Before moving over to Beach Club, also which I love, we hadn't activated our tickets yet. So what do we do when we arrived that morning and our villa wasn't ready yet? No, Becky, you don't go for cocktails. Well, we explore and look for obscure details around the resort, of course. Diane, we just bonded in a big way. Oh, I remember seeing the statue of Leopold Sikowski and Mickey shaking hands at the Contemporary Resort. I wish I could. I wish this was a video so you can see Becky's face many years ago. In my mind's eye, it was on the ground floor level when you entered the resort. So we went searching for this iconic statue, but could not find it. I thought about asking a cast member, but they all appeared to be way too young <laughs> to have actually seen this piece of Disney history or possibly Fantasia before it came on Disney+. Plus. Do you know the whereabouts of the statue? I always enjoy your podcast, and thank you for all the hard work you put into them. Thank you, Diane Jones. Cle- Becky, this is clearly a question for you. Clearly not. You, you know nothing of what I am talking about. I have zero clue. Okay, so um, let's, uh, let's do a little quick Disney nerd history lesson. Um, Back in the early 90s, the Contemporary was undergoing a, a welcome uh, renovation to sort of get away from this theme that really was, and I think a lot of people maybe didn't even re- recognize it first, it was really kind of themed almost to the American Southwest. Again, if you look at the Mary Blair mural and a lot of the, the iconography there and even the color palettes at places like the Fiesta Fun Center with the burnt oranges and reds and brown, it did have this very sort of contemporary, modern, yet Southwest feel. But what they really wanted to do at the time was bring more Disney, right? Sort of like what we're seeing now in Epcot. They wanted to bring more Disney into the resort. So what the Imagineers and the designers and the uh, the architects looked to was the roots in Disney animation. And they went back, way back, back into time to Fantasia. And they started to introduce elements of Fantasia throughout the property, including both inside and outside. So if you look, there was a Sorcerer Mickey topiary, which I believe, I believe it's still there today. Um, and so if you, um, even in the, even in the, um, uh, the convention center area, right? So it used to be the Atlantic Room, the Pacific Room, the Grand Republic Room. Uh, and the big one was the uh, Ballroom of the Americas. They even changed those names to the Fantasia, the Nutcracker, and the Pastoral Rooms. But as soon as you enter the resort from the ground floor, whether you came in by bus or walked over, um, when you enter the resort near where the check-in and the, the little coffee station is, right in the center there, there was this beautiful bronze statue of... That iconic scene from the beginning of Fantasia where Mickey Mouse is shaking hands with conductor Leopold Sikowski, who's sort of leaning down to um, shake his hands with him. The statue was there for about 10 or so years. Um, when they renovated it again in like 2000, oh, maybe it was a little less than that. Maybe it was like 2005, 2006, they moved the statue to... Uh, the magic of Disney animation at Hollywood Studios for a while. Um, and then I don't know where it went to afterwards. I believe, I believe it, they ended up moving it to an area where guests normally can't go, which is backstage in what was some of the former animation buildings 
Um, there's a there's a theater there. There's a commissary there, which was used for um, uh, when the Dizzy Design Group and Yellow Shoes and some of the other um, creatives were back there after even after it was animation. As of right now, I don't know exactly where it is. I'll have to ask scavenger some cast hunt. member friends. Yeah, I scavenger <laughs> hunt for something that you probably can't get to, but I'll have to find out from some cast members um, on the design team and I see if they know. Do you remember that? No, not at all. I my first time here was in 1996. So apparently it would have been there, but I don't remember seeing it, unfortunately. Yeah, I used to, um, I, I loved it um, because I thought it just, I loved the idea of having Mickey in the resort where there really weren't a lot of character references in the contemporary. I mean, if you sort of think about it, I mean, yes, there was the, the restaurant and stuff upstairs, but in terms of um, in, there was nothing in the artwork. There was no statues. There was, you know, now you go up to the, I still call it the Grand Canyon Concourse. Again, that's Southwestern theme. You go up to the fourth floor, Grand Canyon Concourse, you have sort of the swirls and the blues and the reds and a lot of artwork um, from and inspired by Fantasia um, in the gift shop areas and the walkway over to Bay Lake Tower. It's really cool to me when you say Fantasia. Um, As you know, it was my dad that gave me the love for Disney. It was Fantasia that gave my dad the love for Disney. And that was something that he loved his entire life. It was so cool. I hope, and I, I believe it, I'm 97.386% sure it's currently on Disney+. Plus. Like, I know you have Disney+. Plus. Yeah. Take the time to sit down and watch it. There's really no dialogue. It's a beautifully drawn film. And if you just sort of, you know, let yourself follow along in the story, um, it's spectacular. That's what I understand. I, I, I saw the... <laughs> See, Lou just got in trouble <laughs> on the show. <laughs> Back to Fantasia. Um, it, it is... Uh, it's, I she saw was yelling the... at you. No, she was yelling at you, you, you Jersey people. Uh, <laughs> um, it, when the anniversary came out and they did that box set... Uh, that came out for the to celebrate the anniversary. That's the first time I saw it, and I kind of wish that I could go back and and I should. If it's on Disney Plus, I should go watch it again because, like you said, it's it's story without dialogue. It it really is capturing um, uh, storytelling. It's best with music. All right, let's go to one that I think might be a little bit more closer to your wheelhouse because it revolves around something that you probably will be doing on this day. My family was ecstatic to learn that my alma mater, University of Kentucky, go Wildcats, is in the Citrus Bowl. My family and I are both alum of UK and its Wildcat marching band. I'm still currently at UK, earning my JD at UK Law. That's a lot of acronyms there. Of course, my family booked a room and we'll be following our team to Orlando. I'm wondering, what is there to do at Disney for New Year's Eve? I've only been to Disney in the New Year once and ended up staying in the hotel, watching the balloons drop in the lobby. While it was fun, I hope you might have some tips for a great New Year's Eve experience. Best, Emily Bertram. Beverly, Beverly, I love this question because I think for a lot of people, they think New Year's Eve and their mind probably goes to one of two places. We have to go to the parks and enjoy the parks and the requisite crowds or, you know, maybe go to some sort of uh, bar or party. And I think there's actually, there's a ton more that you can do. We can almost do top 10 things to do on New Year's Eve. Maybe we'll do this as like a bonus show down the road. And 
because there are plenty of I, so I've done it. So I've done yeah. So I I did Millennium New Year's Eve in Walt Disney World. Um, if there was only one that I was going to do, and there's probably only one that I was going to do in the parks, that was it. Um, we were in Italy in Epcot. My parents and my brother actually bailed uh, kind of early. It was crowded. It was crazy. It was wonderful. Uh, my wife and I were, were newly married, had a great time. Um, we were in Italy. It was lights and music and dancing and everything else that comes along with it. And there was also the three-and-a-half-hour walk back to get on the monorail. No I way. kid you. It was a late night. <laughs> it was a late night. Again, we were as far from the monorail station as it could be. But what's happening now is Disney has really introduced a lot of different ways and sort of varying degrees and levels of, of spending and celebrating New Year's Eve, whether you want to go a little bit calmer or a little bit, you know, funkier. Um, so, for example, a lot of the restaurants have special uh, dinner menus and dining presentations and, and holiday menus. So from uh, California Grill to Chef Mickey's, there's an entire list. Actually, I'll put a link in the show notes and in the, the Box People group. Um, there's probably – you can go anywhere from Chef's Table at Victorian Alberts to Chef Mickey's at the Contemporary Resort and everything in between. And Disney has actually um, put on their website a number of different ideas. One thing that's great, and I'm so happy we're here and didn't even know it, because now with some of the new – and I'm really – my mind went to two – places. No, my wife went to two. Well, there's three. Two new places for rooftop celebrations. And that's here at Disney's Grand Destino at the Coronado, going up top to Toledo and having dinner there. Or you can also go rooftop at Topolino where they're doing... Uh, we were, I was talking to them about this. Other day. They're doing... Um, it's called Mezzanote, which is a, uh, a masquerade party. And it's 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 like a traditional um, Italian masquerade ball. Like if I was to go anywhere, I think that's somewhere I would go. And then obviously you're thinking uh, California Grill at right. Contemporary. Right. And the rooftop celebrations, obviously those um, are so beneficial because you get to take advantage of the views of the special fireworks celebrations that are going on in each of the uh, in the parks. And I love the fact that each park has its own flavor for what it's going to bring to a New Year's Eve celebration. I have not been here personally to experience them, but obviously have watched them throughout the years and watched uh, on social media and, and watched people stream them. And it's so neat between the, the different fireworks shows or the dance parties or the, um, the specialty food and, yes, cocktails – why is that? A, why is that coming up so much today? I don't know why. Only for you, when there's literally not been a question about cocktails. Nice. I know it's it's all me. I know. And then of course the midnight countdown. All of these things that you get to do in each of the parks. But the rooftop celebrations allows you, especially when you're looking at here um, at the uh, Grandesino, you can see several park locations for their fireworks. So if you've got just the right place and you're elevated and you can kind of partake in the celebration plus see the fireworks in one or more parks i think that that's fantastic and the nice thing too is that if you're coming here and staying here each of the resorts has their own new year's eve celebration so there's one at the contemporary for 
Uh, adults, there's something called the Ink and Paint Club, um, where there's a, a private um, viewing area of firework, fireworks. There's the Pixar Party at the Contemporary Boardwalk has something over at Atlantic Dance Hall. So if you're staring at the, staying at the boardwalk area, that's an easy walk. You don't have to even worry about driving anywhere. Flying Fish, I know, has a, I think it's like a five, six, seven, like a huge uh, prefix menu specifically for New Year's Eve. I know Grand Floridian has something too. Uh, so it really depends on how and where you want to celebrate. So I know the Edison too does a fantastic New Year's Eve party. I love the Edison nighttime events. We've done Gatsby. We've done Halloween. We've done, I don't remember, there was some other. Maybe I've done Halloween twice there. Um, I really like that as well. I think New Year's, I, um, that's why I said um, Grand Floridian. I'm almost sure that Narcusi does. So pretty much most sure. of the, the, especially some of the higher-end table service restaurants um, have it. But there's a ton of different dining options depending on what you want to do. So have a fun, nice, elegant, casual meal, whatever it is, and then really celebrate New Year's Eve however you want. If you want to do something that's a formal ticketed kind of thing or just enjoy the parks and resorts. Yeah, and then what's amazing is you have a ton of transportation options to get you back. So if you do partake in your champagne toast, uh, you can take a minivan back to your hotel. You can uh, take the bus transportation. You can take you know Lyft or Uber. There's all kinds of ways to celebrate, celebrate safely, and get back to your hotel. Um, but I do like that there are so many different experiences that are available here uh, for families, for adults, um, all kinds of ways to bring in the new year together. And what if I told you that one of those parties can take you somewhere that a lot of guests have probably never been to before? Ooh. So you've probably walked by it and some, maybe you've even participated in some of the special events that take place. But I know this year on New Year's Eve, they're also doing a New Year's Eve dinner at World Showplace, uh, yes. which is the um, sort of that kind of like a convention space. It was the old home of the Millennium Village back in 99, um, which is now used for private parties and conventions. So they're doing a New Year's Eve dinner there for adults and kids. They have a, a huge New Year's Eve um, buffet, and there's going to be, you know, music and lots of photo opportunities throughout. Um, and I think it runs about $80 or so for adults and $50 for kids. Um, you can actually use your Disney dining plan there as well. Um, so it's a, it's a dinner buffet and then you can sort of spend the rest of the night in Epcot. So, uh, this I think is a great question for, you know, for us to ask you, which is where would you like to spend New Year's Eve in Walt Disney World? If you could, if we could just make magic and snap our fingers and you can spend and celebrate New Year's Eve anywhere in Walt Disney World, where would you do it? I'll post this question again in the Box People group on Facebook at www.radio.com slash community. Would love to hear your favorite, your interesting, your creative answers as well. I would just like to be here for New Year's Eve, <laughs> anywhere on property, to take in all the excitement. I think it'd be great. <laughs> as, oh, no. I, as you're answering, I'm scrolling to find the next email, and I'm, I'm, I'm laughing out of love. Uh, I received an answer. I received an email, and sometimes it's nice. Sometimes they're, they're lengthy, and they're, I get a lot of background and um, uh, in the questions and sometimes they're short and sweet and somebody said Lou uh, basically we haven't been to Walt Disney World in a long time what have we missed since not being in Walt Disney World since 2002 
sit back, relax. Greba, I have a we have a lot to talk about, huh? Um, so yeah, clearly there's what are 2002. What have you missed since last week? I mean, there's a lot that happens all the time. This is a uh, this is it's an ever changing. It's really a great question because a lot of people um, don't get to go every year, and sometimes we may forget that uh, that not everybody has that that ability to come here and see everything as it changes. So this is actually pretty intriguing. Going back in your head of Wow, what has changed since then? Uh, sorry, so I don't, I haven't even found the question in this question yet, but I'm going to read it anyway. <laughs> hey, Lou, I want to start by thanking you for all that you do for the community and fellow Disney nuts. It is a that's a that's a community I I feel very much at home in. I've been listening to your podcast for a few years. I've been a Disney fanatic all my life, but really haven't gotten involved as an adult until I when I did the college program in 2013. I, I have a question I may have asked before. I can't remember. But I can't find the answer because one of my last trips to the world I noticed very hard to see in the boiler room of the queue of the Tower Tower. There's some little metal panels nailed on the wall way down by the floor outside the actual queue. Uh, So he goes in to describe exactly where they are. Uh, They're difficult to see, but I think they say Erie City or something like that. And as a native Erie, Pennsylvania person who works in the manufacturing industry as an engineer, I was excited to see us. I dug and dug, can't find to see if it's actually what they say. Uh, I'm wondering if they're from the Erie City Ironworks. So I'm wondering if you had any insight into the history of these history of these pieces or not. I look forward to hearing from you, and thanks for the marriage. And that's from Tori Rearer. So, Tori, um, I, I actually don't know. Obviously, I'm, I, I don't know specifically, but I do know exactly what you're talking about because for a long time and, and many times still after Tower opened, I go through the queue, and I'm like, go ahead. Go ahead, keep going. You can just pass by me. That's fine. I'm not actually going to ride. I'm just here to take pictures. Um, and the thing that I love about the Tower of Terror, both here and the one in California, um, is that many of the props that you see in the boiler room are authentic. I would love to go or just – it's part of the Imagineering story on Disney+, Plus. as long as we're plugging. I would love to follow along some of the Imagineers that source a lot of the props that they bring. Think about Batu. Look at some of the, the the props that are made into something that is galactic looking that you can see probably came from a junkyard, an airplane, a tractor, who knows what. So in Tower of Terror, I know a lot of those props uh, were actually sourced from buildings that were being torn down, junkyards. I do know without going into the specifics that these were taken from an old boiler room. I'm not sure if they was from a hotel or from uh, some sort of industrial building. So, yeah, chances are they are maybe from the Erie City Ironworks. But next time you're in Tower Terror, especially if there's a long queue, take some time, not necessarily looking. Well, I mean, look where you're going in front of you. Obviously, don't bump into the person. But look off to the side, and especially down below, as you get close to the elevators where you see the maintenance workers' desks. I'm not going to tell you specifically what to look for, but take some time and look down on the desk, up against the wall, take pictures with your phone and zoom in closely because there's some really, really cool authentic props and details there. Plus, when you get to the exit and you're picking uh, and you see the photo pass photos, you'll see there's a, um, a cage there. Take some time looking inside that cage and some of the props that are back there and some of the things on the wall and on the bulletin board. Just a small caveat from when you started, because you got so excited about answering this question, Tower of Terror is no longer in California. Well, you know what I mean. 
I did really enjoy that, uh, especially when it first opened, because you could see all of the props and all the details from several of the, you know, Twilight Zone shows that we, some of us didn't grow up with, even though you're going to say, you knew all of them when they first debuted. But no, I was not that old. I wasn't even born um, at that point. But <laughs> what? You should, uh, yeah, I wish I had a videotape because that eye roll was pretty epic. Um, but to stop in the queues, and I think that's one of the things that uh, a lot of people don't do because you're your feet are so laser focused on getting to the beginning of the attraction from the, the queue line itself. But if you take the time and stop, let people pass you so that you can absorb those details. Uh, I, I think that people tend to miss out on those types of things if they're going rushing past to get to the, the boarding area. So Becky, I, I'm going to, I don't know what this says, but I'm pulling it specifically for you because the I'm email so actually scared. reads, I'm so right hi, now. Becky and Lou. <gasps> See? Oh, I love this person. I should wait till the question. But right. I love this person. Uh, okay. So my family and I get down to Walt Disney World about once a year and we were disappointed <clears throat> that we missed our opportunity to ride Ellen's Energy Adventure and the Great Movie Ride Aww. one last time before they closed it. Seems like the announcement for attraction closures... And don't give too much of a heads up sometimes. We have a four-year-old and a one-year-old, and another four-year-old has already some favorites that we were worried might go away. Figment? Grand Fiesta Tour? Do you have any information or intuition about what attractions throughout the parks might be in danger of going away soon? Thanks for everything, Kyle, Kyle Burkhalter from Ellicott City, Maryland. So, again, I want to be clear. I know nothing. I am answering this question purely as a fan who, watching and and wandering and eating my way through the parks as I do, if you were asking me as a fan um, what I think may potentially have a possibility of undergoing Radical changes and or potential closures. Um, uh, the, again, the first thing that comes to mind, and I think the handwriting is clearly on the wall, is the Imagination Pavilion. Um, I think you mentioned about Figment going away. To be clear, I think the Imagination Pavilion itself is going to undergo changes. That being said, I do not believe that will involve the removal of Figment. I actually think instead we're going to see more Figment in the parks so over the na- last number of years. He has sort of regained his place as the unofficial official mascot of places like Epcot. Um, I imagine that now that the post-show area has been basically gutted and is empty and cavernous, um, (laughs) when you see that happen, you know that something is along the way. Now, I think that announcement did not come at D23 Expo. I think it was deliberately timed to come later so i think while the attraction itself and possibly the theme may change i actually think that you're going to see more figment as opposed to less i agree i i think when figment wasn't specifically mentioned at d23 the internet let itself on fire for a little while but i think you're right i think that there is something so special about that little purple dragon that they are going to um, better leverage 
that particular character. So I can't wait to see what they do with it. I have a feeling that sometimes we don't give the Imagineers enough credit in some areas where uh, something is may need to go away. Some space needs to be made. Maybe it's an attraction that doesn't get as much love from the, the guests as it once did. And I know that we hate seeing things go away, but then we get so much more excited about the cool things that replace it. And I remember talking to somebody who's been here um, uh, since 71 when things opened and where they were so uh, missing the legacy of something. I said, you know what? But the thing that replaced what you loved is the thing that I love because it's um, something that I hadn't seen the thing that was there before. So the generations that are coming up with us. They won't know about the imagination pavilion, but they're going to love the thing that shows up next. So I can't wait to see what they do with figment because he's personally one of my favorites. Yeah, I have full faith and confidence in the Imagineers. Um, I think, say what you want, I think that they have earned it um, over the last number of decades, certainly over the last number of years. Again, if I was just going off the top of my head, I will will sort of harken back to a a question. Um, I do think that the Grand Fiesta Tour and Coco make sense for Epcot. Um, And just think about the, the, listen, and I love... You know uh, Donald and Panchito, and but um, I think the the music and the culture and uh, the story of Coco is one that lends itself perfectly to that pavilion. Um, I have been saying for a while, and I still believe in my little nerdy heart of hearts that Tomorrowland <laughs> and Magic Kingdom is next for um, I don't want to call it an overhaul; I'll call it a transformation. I think there are some things that are going to change there in terms of attractions. Um, I wonder about the Monsters, Inc. Laugh Floor. Ah, yeah. Um, Listen, I still dig it, and I applaud the Monsters for being as creative as they are because every show is different every single time and uh, still is dependent to a certain degree on the guests and, and their contributions of jokes, good or bad. I think at Disney's Hollywood Studios, um, I, if you love Voyage of the Little Mermaid, I'd probably go see it again. I just, it, it, it's that in my area, little... That whole area back there is just prime for another Imagineering feat to go in there. A different IP, something, because that's a lot of space. And those right. are big show right. And remember, too, you have Launch Bay also. Now yeah. with Galaxy's Edge, does Launch Bay Makes still sense. remain the way it is? And that's a huge, huge... <laughs> Uh, area that they can bit. Uh, speaking of huge areas that I also think are potentially going to undergo a change, I think Dino Land USA in Animal Kingdom. Yeah. I am not. I. When was the last time you were there? So, so they used to have a delicious spicy chicken sandwich right <laughs> outside the boneyard. But it was a spicy chicken waffle sandwich. Go look. I did a video about okay. it, which is probably what killed it. But. It was so good. Um, but, and I'm not going to say what I think is going to go there. Ooh. Um, Why not? Come on, do tell. I, I just, I have, call it a hunch. Brumchik. What movie? Oh, come on. <laughs> call it a hunch. Brumchik. If you know the movie, email me. Um, so I think Dinoland is, is potentially going to... Um, 
again, I think again, Dinoland, Tomorrowland is um, is going to change. Your really? No, so I'm out. Really no, I'm out. So, um, and it's this is this is always the tough sort of uh, balance to strike between yeah. our our love and look. Not to bring up, I think enough time has passed that we can talk about Maelstrom without cause. You know, Maelstrom is one of those things that the internet lost its collective marbles. But really, if you ask those people, when's the last time you stood in line for Maelstrom? The answer might be different. I think the same can be said for some of these attractions. I think Voyage of the Little Mermaid, Dinoland is probably one of those things. So, you again, it's that trust in the Imagineers in terms of what's coming next and the attractor and the guest satisfiers that they will be okay. in lieu of what goes away. Let me ask you a question. Do you th- was there any point that you think the Imagineers got it wrong? I have one. Uh, so I'm going to stay, I'm saying this half-jokingly, because I know this is one of the, per- the persons who was involved. I'm only answering this question, measuring the amount of time this was in place. There's only one time I can think of. There's only one, and it's Super Stitch's Supersonic Celebration. Oh, no. No. I'm thinking totally different, so go ahead. Yeah, so Stitch's Supersonic Celebration wasn't an attraction, but it was sort of this dance party that took place on the Tomorrowland stage, and it lasted maybe three, four months. Again, look, and that's not a bad thing. What does that show is that Disney pays attention to the guests, to their responses, to the interwebs, to people that go to guest relations um, and and they're clearly watching. And if something's not working, maybe it doesn't execute the way it does on paper, they adjust. So that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing as opposed to, hey, we invested the money. Stitch of Supersonic Celebration is going to hang out there forever. Exactly. And, and that's why I kind of brought up the point is that they, none of us ever are perfect at what we're doing. From mine, it was Superstar Limo in Disneyland, uh, what was California Adventure in its first um, thing. But, but the point is, like you said, they listen. And sometimes you have to try something and you throw it out there. And if it doesn't work, you listen, you test, you adjust, you move on. And I, that also goes to why I trust uh, what Disney does and what they're bringing to us for our and bringing the value for our money because if it's not working, they're going to take that space and they're going to improve upon it and make it something even better. All right, let's do um, quickly a couple of um, quickly a couple of last ones. Okay, next one comes from Ross Hingst who says, "Lou, I've started listening to the podcast last week. Welcome." And I'm enjoying every second that I have listened. I've listened to over 20, 25 podcasts so far while I work. Wow, um, wow no kidding. Uh, I'm planning on visiting Disney for my 21st birthday, as well as my mom's 50th birthday. And we're going to have a combined birthday dinner. Cool. We love Italian, steak, seafood, burgers, and bar food. Yes, yes, we're yes, we're yes, best yes. friends. Then we just become best friends. Yep. Since this is our first time visiting Disney... <laughs> When we can both enjoy alcoholic beverages, Becky, this is your in wheelhouse, we were wondering, yikes, if you could recommend a dinner for us anywhere on property, preferably under $30 per person. You and the crew help brighten my day and help the work day go by faster. So they're looking for a birthday celebration for um, Ross and his mom and somewhere that they can enjoy together for about under $30 per person. Um, now, I know, Becky, your cocktails usually start at $30 per person, so this is going to be a little bit more challenging for you. So believe it or not, the 
the first place for me, look, the first, my answer is always going to be Boathouse, right? It's always going to be Boathouse. However, so I'm going to take Boathouse out of the equation. The first place that, that came to mind was someplace like Homecoming. Like, oh. I love Homecoming a lot. You can get a great meal there. Um, they have cocktails as well. Fried chicken, deviled eggs, um, hummingbird cake, pecan pie. Um, <laughs> you, yes, I know that movie. Sorry. Which one is that? When Harry Met Sally. Wow, look, she finally got one. She just woohooed in the middle of everyone just turned around. Bucky got one right, everybody. Um, it's the first so, one. How long? In okay, years? so where else would you go for under $30 for a birthday? Now, see, this is interesting because when you talk about a combined birthday dinner for under $30 a person, is it something that they want to do that's more sit-down? Is it more casual? Is going up to some place like Dahlia Lounge, getting a number of appetizers and a cocktail, does that sort of satisfy? It's not necessarily dinner. But I could make any menu into a dinner. Now, see, something like that is kind of where I was going because you could go up there. You could watch the fireworks from uh, from the lounge. You can get a couple of beverages and then you get some tapas. So it's not, like you said, not really a meal, but it's still an experience. And you can cheers to your birthday celebration. So there's a, so many of those types of options where it could be as simple as, uh, is doing desserts somewhere and having champagne or, and when you said homecoming, I, I will say I do have kind of a love for that place because of the, okay, the mimosa. Ah, it's killing me. It's I have awesome. to say boathouse, 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 boathouse. <laughs> Listen, it's simple. Go to the boathouse, sit outside oh. at the dockside bar, not at the bar itself, but they have wonderful comfy chairs. I'm thinking boathouse. They have wonderful comfy chairs. Get a few appetizers and split them. Have a cocktail by the water. You go at sunset. It's arguably one of the best views you'll find anywhere in Walt Disney World. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you on that. I, I do like the location. They won't let you sit uh, sit in um, Lou's Throne, though, because it's got his name on the back. You have to ask for a special table. He doesn't like people to sit there, so they like seat it only if they have to. Uh- <laughs> so mean to me all the time. But- all right, going back to the question, there there are just literally, there's an option where you can celebrate at almost any resort that you choose or inside the parks as well. There are different places that you can, you know, get a celebration cupcake. <laughs> there, there, for every, um, every pocketbook, every budget, there are all kinds of, um, of things that you can do and you can even do it on a daily basis. Take the take every day that you're here and celebrate somewhere different for um, such momentous work. They only have $30 to spend. Well, I didn't say every day. <laughs> I mean, well, you got you to gotta still eat, right? So turn into a celebration. Yeah, so I was looking back. Italian, so... Oh. <gasps> the place in Italy. The place... Uh, yeah. That, the <laughs> place in Italy. <laughs> Thank you. Really? Yes. Are you trying to say Vianopoli? No. Oh, you're saying the wine bar? Yes. That's exactly what I'm saying. It's the wine bar. Because that's a really fun place, too. And, again, you can just order some appetizers. It doesn't have to be the, the main course meals. Because some of the best meals that you and I have had have been over appetizers or tapas or sitting in that wine bar and having um, a couple of beverages and just getting the meat and cheese plates. So, again, that's one of my favorite places. I dig. And again, this is one that I, that you can contribute. Where would you spend Ross's 21st and mom's <clears throat> not quite 21st birthday for about under $30 per person? Again, I'll post this in the Box People group on Facebook. I would love to have your answer. 
as well. And let's um, let's finish up with one last question. And I, th- I'm picking this one because one word, just sort of two words, actually just popped out. Food. Possibly. Um, it's from Stephen Kovac uh, or Kovac. He says, Lou, I've fallen behind on your show, but I'm trying hard to catch up. I just listened to your top 10 attractions for movies that don't exist. You and Tim were talking about the Jungle Book and you mentioned an India pavilion. My mind immediately went to a fun tie-in. Wouldn't it be a kick if there was a Temple of Doom restaurant that served chilled monkey brains? <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I, I guess that's just the whole question. I thought there was more. But I'm going to extrapolate from that a question for you, Becky, and a question for you, listener, who's sitting here with us. If you could pick a Disney movie that could be made into a restaurant, what movie, what theme would it be, and what would they serve there? What would they serve? What? Think about some favorite Disney movies that you could turn into a cool themed restaurant and then possibly think about all the kind of neat things that they can serve there. Oh, <laughs> wow. Can I just... Could I just start with um, Avengers Endgame? The Little Mermaid <laughs> Fisher House? No, no, that's so inappropriate. My God. So, that's, that's sad on so many levels. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, see, this is one of those where I would have loved to have some time to... Nemo's to Fish House. It. Come on. No. Oh, it's bad enough. The Fisher you... Friends and Food Restaurant. Oh. What? It's already bad enough when you go fine, into... Fine, fine, into fine. Oh, it's already bad enough when you go into Epcot and you go to the restaurant, uh, Coral Reef, and you, you see the fish that are swimming around you. And then you order. I can't order. I only order chicken there. I can't help myself because you're staring at the poor little. No, the only time. No, on it's when we, when we went to um, we went to Sanaa that one time and you stood up and poured out the window I and went, not. that one. I want that one. Not, not not cool at all. Not, not, no, that's not what I did. I think I, I, oh, I may have done that so I could take the bread from the bread service before you actually got a moment to start devouring it when, so it would be Oh, gone my seconds. God, I'd love to have bread service right now. It's so good, it's my favorite. It's just down the road, FYI. So, what Disney movie what Disney would you movie? make into a restaurant? I'm and what would, and so now you're right. Now that we have sort of uh, Marvel at, yeah. and, and Pixar at our disposal, I think this is definitely one to think about. Maybe I will come back to this and answer this again on the show, but I think this is a great question wow. for you to get creative. Maybe what I'll do, maybe what I'll do is I'll post this question in the Box People group and maybe I'll give a prize Ooh. for the most creative and interesting answer that we find in the group. I mean, if you, even if it was, does it have to be a movie? Can it be an attraction as well? Or do you want to stick with it? No, he's, he's talking about Jungle Book and Temple of Doom and, and Chilled Monkey Brains. So I kind of like that idea what of taking a movie. Monkey Brains? You get a thing for Monkey Brains? You've yeah, never I, seen no, Temple of Doom, have you? I have you? seen it. What I'm asking you is you, you were like... And when Kate Capshaw, don't you remember when the guy is eating the, the giant beetle That's and gross. Kate Capshaw? It was just gross. It was... <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. You call him Dr. Jones. Come on, short round. What was the name of, at the beginning of the movie, what was the name of the club that Indiana Jones was in that he escapes from with Club Obi-Wan? What? It was called Club Obi-Wan. Was it really? Yeah. You're lying to me. I'm not lying to you. I I don't lie to you. I don't lie. (laughs) I don't lie. In the very first Indiana Jones, 
right? Right. Okay. I'm so scared right now. What's the name of the hangar bar in Disney Springs? Uh, Jock, what's his name? <laughs> Yikes. Jock Lindsay. And who was Jock Lindsay? Uh, a guy who ran a bar. <laughs> he was Indiana Jones' pilot for the plane at the beginning of the Raiders of Lost Ark movie. But he owns a bar. What was the designation? What was the number on the, the tail number on the plane uh, from Jock Lindsay? Uh, and you know this because you've actually seen it at a Disney theme park. Have I? Yep. 33? No, you're a <laughs> single-mindedness. No, you saw it actually, and I pointed this out to you in when? Tokyo. When? Near the end of Jones Attraction. The, the designation. Yes. It, it's C-3PO. Really? Yeah. So you learn something new I every day here on every WW Radio. Every single time I learn something. It, I don't know if it's... No. Might not be true, but you learn something. You learn, you learn a lot. Um, so, okay, so that's one of the questions I have for you. What Disney movie would you make into a restaurant and get creative? What would they actually serve there? Again, if you go to www.radio.com slash community, you'll find the question there. You can answer it, and uh, maybe I'll give a prize for the most interesting and or creative answer. And if you want to see some of the things we've talked about for yourself and want to come to a Disney theme park, you know what could help get you there? Becky Mackin and the entire team over at Mouse Fan Travel. Dramatic pause. Entire team over at MouseFanTravel.com. Absolutely. We are always here to help create magical vacations to Disney and elsewhere. Uh, Fee-free. That's the thing I always have to tell people because they don't know. Lou forgets the important parts. Like, we don't charge for our services, etc. However, we do have lots of awesome things coming in 2020 and 2021, which I can't wait to share. Stay tuned. For, at yeah. the beginning of next year, we have many, many, many announcements. Yes, we do. I'm so excited. Including the new Disney movie-themed restaurant, which we're going to come up with. Okay, and, we will. Uh, we I'm going to I'm gonna take you to task okay. and make sure you come up with something okay. inventive and creative the next time we do this. I can do that. As long as it, it involves I think there's, there's animated movies. No. There's thing about there's thing about movies. Like, all think, the Chris's. Stop it's it. All the Chris's. Think about movies maybe where there was a dining scene. Okay, and a can, dining scene. Right. So right. even, so you could do Harryhausen's Sushi Restaurant from Monsters, Inc. Yeah. You've oh. never seen that. You have no yes, idea what I'm I talking do, about. But it's the octopus. She's waving me off. Jeez. What? Who's Harryhausen? Who's Harryhausen? Uh, <laughs> look at you right now. Would you stop it? So don't you remember uh, the old stop? So he was, I'll just, I'll make it simple. He was a, 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 a pioneer in stop-motion animation. Okay. So you remember, uh, as a kid, I used to love, like, the seventh voyage of Sinbad and all those kind of things. That's the kind of little stop-motion thing. Awesome. Did you ever seen Kubo and the Two Strings? No. <gasps> I don't know what that is. You've never seen Kubo. It's not even Disney. You need to watch Kubo and the Two Strings. It's beautiful it? and fantastic. It, it's a movie, It's but it's all stop-motion. Wow. Okay. It's, it's a it's beautiful. It's a beautiful story, and it's beautiful animated as well. Excellent. So you can sort of go back and think about it, like, oh, Harry House. Not that he did it, but having his roots in Harry House. Okay. Remind me of that, because now I want to see it. I, I, I literally just I literally just send you the link. We're sitting here. I'm reminding you. I'm looking in your <laughs> eyes. I'm reminding you right now. Remind me later, because I'm going to totally forget what what the name is that you just said. What today. Disney movie would you make into a restaurant? 
a Disney movie would you make into a restaurant? This is homework, isn't it? You're giving me homework. So I, I will be sitting on a plane for the next six and a half hours, so maybe... I will have to come up with something. And and you don't need any liquid inspiration to do this. You could just do this on your own. <laughs> but it does help. Sometimes. Thank you for being here. <laughs> thank you for... Thank you? Th- thank you. She ends it with a question. Time for our Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week, where I invite you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World history or see how well you pay attention to the details, sometimes in what you see or hear, maybe even taste or remember. If you think you know the answer, you can enter via our online form for a chance to win a Disney prize package. Of course, before we get to this week's question, we're going to go back, review last week's, and select our winner. So last time we were talking about Rise of the Resistance in Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Of course, the question had to be about Batu and your Star Wars stories and some of the characters you could meet in Black Spire Outpost. And that really was just the question, was to name three characters you could meet while wandering the streets of Galaxy's Edge. I even gave you a few hints. I thank you all for the hundreds of entries, including some incredibly creative ones. We'll just leave it at that. But again, the answers I was looking for were things like Rey, Kylo Ren, uh, V. Marathi, the Resistance Spy, Chewbacca, the First Order Troopers, First Order Officers. Yes, even cast members are characters you could meet. So any or really all of those work. And again, last week you were playing for all my digital products, which is my 102 ways to save money for an at Walt Disney World book. My audio walking tours of Magic Kingdom, all of which you can still find in iTunes and on Amazon. A WW Radio vinyl sticker, a pop socket, a t-shirt, and I was going to throw in a Star Wars mystery prize. And last week's winner, randomly selected, is Jackson Lehman. So Jackson, congratulations. You used the online form. I will get your prize package out here right away. If you played last week and didn't win, that's okay, because here's your next chance to enter in this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So if you followed along with me a couple of weeks ago, I was at the grand opening of Disney's Riviera Resort, the newest, not only Disney Vacation Club property, but the newest hotel here at Walt Disney World. It is beautiful, and I cannot wait to literally eat my way through that resort because there are a number of casual, quick-service dining locations, as well as a restaurant with a spectacular view located at the top of the Riviera Resort Tower, And that's your question this week, is to simply tell me, what is the name of the new rooftop restaurant with, dare I say, possibly the best views anywhere in Walt Disney World at Disney's Riviera Resort? I just need to know the name of the new restaurant at the top of Disney's Riviera Resort. You have until Sunday, January 5th at 11.59 p.m. to go to www.radio.com, click on this week's podcast, use the form there. Again, you're going to play for the digital products, the vinyl sticker, and a WW Radio Magic Band cover. So good luck and have fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you so very much for taking the time, especially this week and this time of year, to tune in. I know it's hectic and busy and crazy with the holidays, and I want you to get back to spending time with family and friends 
and or obviously food. So just very quickly, please don't forget to join the community and conversation over at Facebook in the WW Radio Box People group. You can find it and join easily by going to www.radio.com slash community. Please come by, introduce yourself. It's incredibly fun, family-friendly, and very, very welcoming. Huge thanks and love to everybody who is part of the WW Radio Nation family. I sincerely appreciate your help and your friendship and your support and your love and, and being able to give back to you as well. If you want to find out how you can not only help the show, but get exclusive rewards every month, please visit www.radio.com support. And don't forget that a portion of your obviously optional contribution does go to our Dream Team project to benefit the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America. As I said, during the introduction to the email segment, this show is for, by, and with you. So I would love to connect with you on social. I am at Lou Mangello on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And the WW Radio page on Facebook is obviously facebook.com slash WW Radio. I'd love to hear from you. Again, if you have a question you want me to answer, email me, Lou at WW Radio.com, or call the voicemail at 407-900-9391. Of course, as much as I love having conversations with you online, nothing beats a handshake and a hug. It's why I continue to do events and free monthly meetups in Walt Disney World. The next meet of the month is going to be Saturday, January 11th. That's over Ren Disney Marathon weekend. It's going to be in Tomorrowland at 2 p.m. Stay tuned to the events page as well as social for the exact time and location. That's at www.radio.com slash events. Also stay tuned for other meetups on the road events. We're also going to announce a lot of things coming in the next years, plural, very, very soon. I'm also going to be doing a number of on the road events as I travel to speak in San Diego, Italy, Arizona, and other locations both in the States and internationally. And if I can come to speak at your event, at your conference, to your business, or at your school, please visit lumangelo.com. And I'd also love to help you individually turn what you love into what you do, either with one-on-one mentoring. I'm going to be opening up my weekly mastermind group again in January. And then right after the first of the year, I'm going to announce the dates, locations, and super early bird pricing for my Momentum Weekend Workshop and Weekend Retreat in Walt Disney World. Again, for more information, visit lumangelo.com. Once again, thanks to Becky Mankin, not only for joining me this week, but for the past year and really 11 years of not just friendship and support of the show, but being able to help you with any or all of your Disney and other travel-related plans. You can visit them, obviously, over at mousefantravel.com and go to celebrationspress.com to find out how you can subscribe to Celebrations Magazine. And as always, my friend, and you truly are my friend, I mean that from the bottom of my heart, all I ask is that if you like the show, please help spread the word. Let others know about it. One of the best ways is to share links to this or any of your favorite episodes from this past year or in the back archive of 15 plus years of podcasts with your friends over on Facebook or Twitter. And if you can take just 30 seconds to rate and review the show on iTunes, it's incredibly helpful. I want to quickly thank some recent reviewers like Grunt03112 says, lose more like 10 stars. Lou, you do such a great job. It's changed my life. Wow. I've gotten a job at Disney Transport and will be driving a bus and giving magic back to guests every single day. I love that, man. Great job. Jimmy MG70 says, simply the best. There's nothing I could write here that could come close to saying what this podcast means to me. Five stars is enough to, to express what you bring to the world. I'm getting choked up. <clears throat> I feel Uncle Walt would be proud of you, Lou. Thank you. Are there other Disney podcasts? Yeah, but no need to look. My hat hangs here at WW Radio. Wow, thank you. Mad About Disney said, 
It makes me not miss Disney so much. I love listening to this podcast. It makes me waiting for my next trip a little bit more bearable. And that's from Julie Minder. And No Sam 116 says, WW Radio is so good. Love the energy. There's all those O's in there. Love the energy and pace of the show. Lose enthusiasm and descriptive nature. Carries my imagination through Disney as if I'm experiencing the magic with him in person. Thanks, Lou. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Sam, Julie, Jimmy, and Grunt. Again, just go to iTunes and leave a review there or go to www.radio.com slash iTunes and find out exactly how and where to leave a review. Finally, and most importantly, thank you, thank you, thank you in this holiday season and spirit of giving. I, I If there's anything I can give to you or do for you to say thank you for everything that you continue to give me on a daily basis, whether you realize it or not, please let me know. Remember that, Walter, that all of our dreams can come true if we have the courage to pursue them. Walt, I agree with you 100%, although sometimes we need more than just courage. We need to take those first steps, and sometimes we need help. And if there's some way that can help you pursue your dreams, again, please, please let me know. I hope that whatever, however, wherever, and whoever you celebrate with this holiday season, it is happy, it is merry, it is healthy, it's delicious, it's blessed, and it brings you and those around you joy I love you so very much, and I appreciate you more than you know. Thank you. Have a great holiday. See ya. Hi, Lou. It's Robert Collins, Killian Collins, and Anna. And we were listening to episode number nine and love the story Michael Brogy told of having ice cream with Walt on Saturdays. So Blue Sky Idea, transform the Main Street ice cream parlor. <laughs> the Main Street ice cream parlor at Walt Disney World into ice cream with Walt. Decorate it like an early 1950s all-purpose room with pictures of the family, a phone that periodically rings, and guests can pick it up with different messages on it. And at the end, you can leave with a trading card where Walt has signed, job well done, and the verse says, curiosity, confidence, courage, and consistency. So we want to wish you a happy day, happy holidays. And a Merry Christmas. Hi, Lou and everybody at WDW. This is Elizabeth from Massachusetts. Um, Sorry, my voice is hoarse. I'm realizing I'm just getting out of coaching all night, and clearly I must have had a lot to say. Um, (laughs) I just listened to episode 301 on my way home. Uh, You and Brian Wilson did an investigation of the 20,000 Leagues attraction at Walt Disney World. Um, and also looking at the one in Disneyland. And I have never gotten to ride the original that was e- in either park. Um, I have been to Disneyland and ridden the Nemo version, which is great in its own way. Um, but that is one ride and one attraction that I really wish I could have experienced um, m- more than most. It just seems so cool, the whole idea that there was actual mermaids in there and the whole adventure behind it. So... Thanks so much for doing that and giving me some new knowledge about something I didn't know. All right, everybody. I hope you're having a magical day and the holidays are almost upon us. Um, so, yeah, hope everyone's enjoying their day and talk to you guys soon. Bye. Hello, Blue My Jello. It's Darlene Maggie, formerly of West Seneca, New York, and I'm calling in to say Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Everything that you're celebrating because this is the 
holiday season, the next couple weeks, and we have New Year's 2020 coming up, and we've got about 44 days until that new adventure that you just mentioned on Facebook today and on Twitter about the upcoming New Orleans trip. 45 days until that cruise. I've been counting that down. I can't wait for more countdowns. We also have in a couple weeks the busy marathon for all those WDW radio runners coming up. Can't wait to see everybody at the 5K. And I plan to cheer with Lou on the full marathon. Have a magical day. Love, hugs, stay safe, stay positive like Lou always says. Have a fabulous holiday season.